Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. James is saying, therefore, as a result of these rich oppressors, therefore, as a result of these difficult things that you're going through. Because remember, James was writing to Jews who had been born again. They were no longer part of Judaism. They had been saved, and now they are on the run because now their own countrymen hated them because they felt they were betrayers. The Jews hated them. And yet, even the Gentiles, the Romans, hated them as well. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob continues our study in James chapter 5. In our time of study today, we learn how James warns the Jewish people of his time the consequences of allowing the world to influence their lives. These new believers in Jesus Christ, who were scattered and on the run from persecution, became vulnerable to being influenced by their new surroundings. Pastor Rob teaches us in today's section of Scripture that James gives the important instruction to them on how to steer their lives away from worldly evil practices that can interfere with our relationship with Jesus Christ. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we too should take heed to these very significant truths and warnings. Here's Pastor Rob with today's teaching. Let's read together. In fact, let's stand and let's read. Uh, We're just going to look at the first 12 verses this morning, and we may only actually get through uh, two verses. But it says in James chapter 5, and we need to read these first six verses to kind of get the context for verses 7 through 12, which we're going to look at this morning. And it says, Come now, you rich. Weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in a day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets 
who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no lest you fall into judgment. Father, we do give you thanks again, Lord, just for this passage, Lord, and we thank you for the, 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 the difficulties, Lord, that we, as we read this, Lord, we are confronted with many things. And so, Lord, we pray that this morning you would just cause your word to go forth with clarity, Lord. Your word is truth. And so, Lord, we long to hear it and, and to um, digest it. So have your way, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's be seated. In verse 7 there, which, which is where we're going to be pick, picking up this morning, verses 1 through 6, James is really speaking of the, the, the rich oppressors. And when we think of those rich oppressors, James was, we believe, speaking of those men, those priests and uh, spiritual leaders in Jerusalem. Remember, it wasn't very long after this letter that James had written that Jerusalem came under the attack by the Romans in 70 AD, and they were destroyed. The whole city was destroyed. Many were taken captive. Many were dispersed throughout the known region at that time. And so we understand that uh, James, the very brother of Jesus, wrote this letter. He was a half-brother. Jesus was the firstborn, and Mary and Joseph had other children. The Bible mentions their names, at least the men. He had four other brothers and at least two sisters. But Jesus was the firstborn, and his birth was a miraculous birth. And James now, his half-brother, is sharing with us these things. And wouldn't he know if Jesus really was the Son of God, that he was really God in the flesh? I think he would. He was martyred because of his belief in his brother. Now, if his brother at any time committed any sin, then everything is off the table. Do you understand that? Because Jesus was perfect. In every single way. The Bible says that he was without sin. He had the opportunity, but he never did. Unlike us. And so when we hear of James writing, it gives great authority, really, to his words. And I think it's interesting as we read along here that we're going to see that some of those words that Jesus spoke to his disciples prior to this were very well known by James himself. And we'll see that here shortly. But notice in verse 7, James is saying, Therefore, as a result of these rich oppressors, therefore, as a result of these difficult things that you're going through. Because remember, James was writing to Jews who had been born again. They were no longer part of Judaism. They had been saved, and now they are on the run because now their own countrymen hated them because they felt they were betrayers. The Jews hated them. And yet, even the Gentiles, the Romans, hated them as well. And so there they are, between a rock and a hard spot. Have you ever been in a rock, between a rock and a hard spot? Difficult, isn't it? And that's exactly where these believers were. So there's great encouragement now in verse 7 when he says, Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. You see, those first century believers were under a lot of pressure. They were under a lot of pressure. 
This word patient is interesting. In the Greek, because the, Te- the New Testament is written in Greek. And in the Greek, this word patient means, it means to be of long spirit. It means to have patience for the long haul. Not just for something temporary, but for the long haul. And that's what every single believer from the day of Pentecost up until this moment, we've all been waiting for Jesus to return. He says he's going to, and we believe it, because he has never went back on a promise that he has made. He has been faithful and true to every promise that he has made thus far. And so we have every reason to believe that he is not going to go back on his promises. In fact, the Bible says that he cannot lie. There's no reason for him to lie. Because he's almighty God, he knows all things. So there's no reason to lie. We lie because we want to cover up the truth. We want to put ourselves in a different light. God is light, and in him there is no darkness. So he doesn't need to tell an untruth. He doesn't need to tell a lie. He can tell it exactly as it is because he sees the end from the beginning. He inhabits eternity. He sees all of time in like a large parade. You ever see the Macy's Day Parade a few days ago? They, took the, they get the blimp up there, and you can see the end. You can see the beginning of it way up there on whatever avenue it is, Fifth Avenue, I don't know. And then you can, you can see the end of it. You can see it, the whole thing, up high. But the bystanders on the floor, on the ground, they're only seeing what's right in front of them. But God sees the whole thing. So he doesn't need to lie. But the idea is to be patient, and we need to be patient. It's been said that patience is a virtue. And, you know, that, that's a, a kind of a lofty word, but really what it means is high moral excellence. That's what patience is. It's a high moral excellence. It's a, it's a moral standard. It's a good thing. And it's something that most of us are not. Most of us are not patient. But the Bible has something to say about patience. In Galatians, it says... Paul writing to the Galatians, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God in you, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. There's the word. It literally means patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And these things are the mark of a believer in Christ. The, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then all of the other things are in, under the umbrella of that love. And that's what people ought to see in our lives. There's also another verse in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. It says this. He says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. It produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The idea is be mature. To be mature in the faith, lacking nothing. That's what it means by the word perfect, because none of us are perfect. There's only one who's perfect. But knowing that the testing of our faith, a faith that is genuine can be tested. A faith that is not tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And see, God knows our faith. He knows where we're at. He can see right through us. He knows the motives. He knows everything. But it's good for us to know where we stand, isn't it? Sometimes I allow, I get in certain circumstances And I don't know where my faith really is. But God allows things in my life to reveal those things that are in my heart that I'm not even aware of. And I can boast all I want and say all I want. But when I'm under the scrutiny of a test of some kind, all of a sudden my faith is really shown. And that's where I either pass the test or I fail the test. And God's not mad when we fail the test. He's died for our sins, right? He does it for our benefit, so we can see. I can know more of my own heart, because I don't know my own heart. Have you ever been surprised when you have been provoked, and maybe you've been, and it seems to happen in cars a lot on the highway. 
For some reason, there's no place on earth that, we, that we're at where on the road, boy, we're in our little metal thing and, and we can kill somebody if we want with that thing, with metal and glass going 70 miles an hour. But for some reason, we're, we're able to let that anger out on the road. Have you ever screamed in your, inside your car as somebody pulls you off? And then you're surprised. Oh, I can't believe I said that. And thank God there's nobody else in the car. You're thinking, Lord, you know, I didn't know that was in me. And he's like, I knew that was there. That's why I allowed this to happen, so that you could know. I knew it all along, and I still love you. But you need to know that so that you can turn from it, so that you can cry out for help, say, Lord, help me, I'm a sinner. And God always responds to a desperate heart cry. He, he has in me, and he has in you as well. He will never leave you nor forsake you. But the testing of your faith, it produces patience. You realize that you're really not all that, and then you're humbled And then you wait upon the Lord, and then you let him do this work. And sometimes we have to learn the lesson over and over again. But, you know, we live in a culture where everything is fast and immediate. We don't want to wait for anything. We don't want to wait for anything. Even our fast food restaurant, was it Burger King? The slogan is, have it your way right away. We don't want it tomorrow. We want it right now. We want everything right now. It's a a fast food culture that we live in. But we know that the most important things, the most valuable things in our life aren't usually the things that come quickest to us. Truly the things that are most important, the greatest of value to us, they take patience. They take the long haul. Anything that's worth doing and it takes time, how much more are you going to be excited about that thing when it comes to fruition? Say you're working on a degree in a college, and it takes you six years to get through that program. But at the end, boy, you're thankful. And you're like, Lord, I want to use this for your glory. I'm so thankful because you went through the blood, the sweat, and the tears to get there. How awesome is it when you've had to wait to save up for your first home, and you've been saving, saving, denying yourself for years, and finally that day comes where the bank gives you a loan, and you have this 20 or 25% to put down the house, and you got your first house. What a joy is that. Patience, the long haul. There are so many other things that are like that. And how much more do we appreciate those things when we have to wait? And you know, ever since the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ, the church has been waiting patiently for Jesus to return. They've been waiting patiently. In verse 7 there it says, Therefore be patient, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, is this idea of the coming of the Lord. When we say the coming of the Lord, it really is one event. One event in two phases. One event in two phases. And those two phases are the rapture of the church and the physical second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. And the Bible has a lot to say about that. And today, this morning, we're going to be just looking briefly at these things. We could spend a number of weeks in this topic alone, but we're going to be at a very high level looking down on this and going through it because it's important for us to do that, because it is our blessed hope. The rapture is called the blessed hope. And I want to share with you that when we are born again, remember Jesus in John's Gospel, in the third chapter, Jesus was talking to a very religious man, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus had did all the right things. He was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader. And Jesus said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus was confounded. He's like, how can I crawl back into my mother's womb again and be born again? And Jesus says, unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless you are born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. We're all born physically. 
We are all born physically, but we all need to be born spiritually, born from above, the Holy Spirit indwelling us. There are many people today that are possessed of a different spirit. But I want to be consumed with the Spirit of God, don't you? Because there's nothing greater than to be possessed by the very love of God, the very Spirit of God himself. But I want to share with you that this rapture is the down payment. We're going to look at a verse here. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says this, Paul speaking to them, he says, In whom you also trusted, speaking of Christ, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. When you're saved, it's a seal that God places on you. No one can take it away from you. The devil can't touch you. Once you are saved, he can mess with you. He can make your life difficult, and you can even make your life difficult, but God's got a seal on you, and he says, You're mine now, and no one can take that away from you. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? (laughs) It is. And he says in verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance. The idea is a down payment. That's literally what the word is. It's an earnest of our inheritance until the redemption, until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. What did Jesus purchase? He purchased a bride on the cross. His blood was spilled. And until that redemption and, but the down payment was the Spirit of God in us. But he's also saying there's yet coming something for the church. Those who have the Spirit of God in them that are born again, I've just given you the down payment right now, but I'm coming back and I'm going to retrieve the thing that I have purchased to myself. That's the idea. You make a down payment on something, you save up the rest of the money, you come and you write that final check, and now you can take possession of it. That's exactly what Jesus is saying here. And we Christians, you know, we throw around this term, the rapture, and many people don't know what it means. And we ought not to leave it there, because it is a term that we won't find in the English Bible. You're not going to find the word rapture in the English Bible. It doesn't occur in English. Our English word rapture comes from a Latin word, raptus, or um, rapio which means literally to be taken up violently, to be snatched up, to be snatched up, to be snatched up. Sort of like when you're fishing in Florida and you catch that nice grouper and you reach down with a net and you quickly snag him up out of there before a shark comes and gets it. <laughs> and that's what it's like. That, that grouper was raptured <laughs> into your boat, right? But... Let's talk about this. Turn with me, if you would, to First Thessalonians. And I'm going to be uh, reading to you. Um, you know, you might want to just write these verses down, and I'm just going to read the passages just for the sake of time, because it's, uh, I want to make sure we get through this, because it's important. It's important that you know what you believe and why you believe it. And here it is. In First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, it says, Paul, speaking to the Thessalonians, he says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, those who have died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus, those who have died in Christ. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who have died in Christ, already in the grave. 
For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Notice the order. The dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. And there's our word, caught up. The Greek word is harpazo. It literally means to snatch up violently up off the earth. Harpazo, that's what it means, to be snatched up, to be caught up, together with him in the clouds. Notice, in the clouds. To meet him, the Lord, in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. What a comfort that is. And see, if you're not a believer, that's going to scare you to death. To think that there's a moment coming. And the Bible says that there's nothing that needs to happen before that event occurs. There's nothing on the prophetic you know, time frame that needs to happen before that event occurs. And that is the rapture of the church. That is when Jesus finally takes possession of what he purchased, what he put the earnest of, the Holy Spirit in you, the day you were born again. He's like, you belong to me and I'm taking you up. I'm taking you, harpazo. I'm going to take you up. Now, when you look at this word harpazo... Um, I said what it meant, but here's where our word rapture comes from, because you're thinking, where does the word rapture come from? Well, in the 4th century, there was a, a, a version of the Bible that came about. It was the Latin Vulgate. Basically, it was the Old and the New Testament, which were the Old Testament written in Greek, the New Testament, I'm sorry, the Old Testament written in Hebrew, the New Testament written in Greek and Aramaic. But it was translated into Latin. And this very verse in Latin When we get to that word where it says caught up, the word in Latin is raptus or rapio, to snatch up violently off the earth. And that's where we get our word rapture. So you're not going to find the word rapture in the Bible. The concept is all over the place. The truth of it is everywhere, but you'll never find the word. But I want you to go now um, to John 14, and I'm just going to start reading it. Um, Jesus, on the night he was wrongfully arrested, and just hours before his crucifixion there in the upper room, he said this to his disciples. He says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, I will come again, and I will receive you unto myself, he says. Receive you unto myself, that where I am, and where is Jesus right now? He died, he was, he was, he was crucified, he, on the third day he rose again. For 40 days he was on the earth, and then right in front of his disciples on the Mount of Olives, he ascended into heaven, he's been there ever since, preparing a place for you and I, praying for us, interceding on our behalf. So Jesus says that where I am, you may be also, and Jesus is in heaven. Right now, there's a man with scars in his side and in his hands and feet in heaven. For eternity, we will see him. He says, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas, I'm so glad for Thomas, he says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? In John 14, verse 6, one of our favorite verses, Jesus said to him, I am the only way, I am the only truth, I am the only life, and no man comes unto the Father except through me. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you might also be. I'm going to come and receive you unto myself. He's in heaven. He's going to reach down. He's going to the trumpet of God, and he's going to say, come up here, and we are all going to come up. Those who are born again, those who have died in Christ in faith, 
are going to rise first, and then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, don't believe me, let me read it to you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to be looking at uh, verse 50. Paul, again, speaking to the Corinthians, and this is to encourage you, that what we believe is not some fairy tale, it's not some fiction. I'll be honest with you, when I read this, I think of Star Trek. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of James. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio or sanctuary messages in MP3 format, free of charge, from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcasts. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until this same time tomorrow, This has been Truth in Christ.